Hello and welcome back to LARPs and Tarps. This week we're going to be talking about the Grendel. I'm Morgan and I'm joined with my co-host Tom. Say hi to everyone, Tom. What's up? Disgusting. Uh, and then we are also joined by a uh, special guest, Adam. Do you want to introduce yourself, Adam? Hello, yeah. I've uh, My name's Adam. I've been playing Lord Corwin Durandell since uh, just before the game began. Yeah, yeah, because you were like a bait tester i guess kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so i was there for maelstrom the previous game and i was around when pd said hey we've got a new empire uh, a new game coming called empire and we'd like you to play test the combat rules and they went okay here we are there was a mob of 30 people per side and it was a very different game to what you know because back then magic battle magic was uh sympathetic so if i hit you with repel i got zone backwards too if i hit you with venom i got venom too see that does feel insane it was mad. It was absolutely bonkers. The mages were very high value targets because they were the only people who could do stuff like paralyze. And so they would paralyze someone and have to hold still. And then you'd have to then hit them. I just love the idea of mages flying all over the battlefield and <laughs> repels crashing into oh, each yeah. other. Yeah, it was mage ping pong, but the real deadly one was Venom because back then Venom reduced your bleed count not to 30 seconds. It used to knock it down to zero. Yeah, so Christ. if you got hit with Venom and then hit with Cleave, you were dead. That that's was, like your a, character was yeah. instant dead. That's like an ultra lethal. So because I know there was a discussion around them trying to make death meaningful and how to work around that, but that's like that's cooked. Like that's no good. Yeah, that was like it's, it's amazing there weren't as many murders as there would have been because essentially if you could buy a dose of blade venom, which anyone could just have as an apothecary in one hand, and then you just carry a regular knife in the other one, you could just walk up to someone and say venom, cleave, two seconds, they're dead, and. Yeah, at the time, we, we, we joked about going into the academy, like, hey, kids, do you want to learn weapon calls? Venom cleave. <laughs> <laughs> Go full Anakin Skywalker. Did, did they keep those rules after the beta test? Uh, they kept a lot of them. It took about a year or so, I think, for... Uh, of like the, a million character deaths. Well, it was, yeah, it was very much character building. New character building. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't afford to play Empire. I can't afford to play it now, but replacing my costume or outfit every single event would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, I lost... Uh, we would... Uh, so one of ours was a senator, he was a battle mage, and literally one druge came in and shouting Venom, and the other one came in and shouted Cleave, and so literally two blows at the same time just killed him instantly. Oh, Christ. That is savage. Well, praise to you for surviving. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we had fought the druge, but we've never fought to the druge, which is why I've got the lap noobs on last week. We have druge envy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Christ, I want to fight as a druge. But we haven't, I, I've never encountered in any setting... A Grendel. I have during a skirmish, was which was quite fun, but it did was. Did you all... actually fight the Grendels? We weren't meant to, but we did. But we took nineteen of the twenty of them alive. Okay. Unfortunately, I think someone got trigger happy and killed one of them, which we were trying not to do with uh, all the peace treaties. Jesus, Christ. we were under the uh, influence of cursed leagueish masks. Oh uh, no, so we I got the masks that. back. There was a lot of cursed stuff from the league at that event because there was the cursed treasure. Oh, R.I.P. I had a number of friends on that mission and some of them did not survive and I got told how bad that went. It's, it, I just saw a guy come by with the like, thing, the treasure screaming, like, stand back. Like, what, do you know what it was? Yes. What was so, it? It was a clash between what happened with the briefing. So they have like the, uh, the Imperial Scoutmaster who kind of gives you an idea of what the quests are. And that, what they said was, the treasure is cursed. It will curse whoever picks it up. But what happened was, when you got near it, it did a massive area of effect where it would... Uh, basically strip you, it would weaken you, venom you, and in some cases made you incapable of acting or defending yourself. So yeah, the entire savage. line 
yeah, the enti- that happens to the entire battle line, and that skirmish is going absolutely tits up within about five seconds. Oh, my God. And they had one of our best commanders. It was Gabriel leading that one, and he is one of our most veteran, yes. best, most wholesome generals. Uh, he made me dance at the little mother's ball. It was hilarious. <laughs> Michi, get over here. Yeah, we were literally, me and Tom were like chatting. I see like a cross on the dance floor, and he just starts screaming across the floor, and Nietzsche gets dragged on, and I proceed to watch one of the uh, most interesting uh, dancers I've ever seen. I don't move with grace. That's why I'm in clank. Um, so when, again, we spoke about this before, but when you fought, when you joined, there was the four orc nations, but um, you weren't at war with all of them or something? No. So at the time, we were only at war with the Thule and the Druze. We yeah. were not at war with the Jotun or the Grendel yet. It's mad to think you weren't at the war with the Jotun yet. All we've, all I've ever known is the Jotun. Yeah. It just seems like yeah. such a classic combo, heavy-armoured orcs. Yeah. Well, it the, seems like it'd be there from the get-go. Yeah. Well, there was a very brief time when we were at war with, so we made we broke peace with the Thule shortly after the, the liberation of Skarsind and Kask, uh, was there for both of those. And then that led to a peace treaty, and shortly after, the Mornwald campaign started, and that brought us into war with the Jotun. So we were at war with the Jotun and the Druze. And then... There was an issue. What happened was the Grendel came in because back then fleets operated very differently. Your personal resource, the fleet, had option to trade uh, to trade with foreigners, raid foreigners, trade with barbarians, or raid barbarians. And trading with barbarians, it said, "This is treason. If you get caught doing this, you make more money, but you are committing treason." Just a little bit of treason. I'm kind of sad, okay. sad you can't do that. Anymore. Well, the flip side was if you raided foreigners, you got more money, but. It also said this will sour your relations with this foreign nation. And many uh, people across the empire, uh, some nations were more guilty of this than others, had kind of briefed themselves to be like, oh, we used to fight the Grendel, so we're going to do nothing but raid the Grendel and get huge mobs of fleets to raid the Grendel. And so the Grendel turned up and went, stop it. No, no, I'm not kidding. Stop it. And they kept doing it. And so they landed an invasion force in Savos. Didn't, wait, is that how we lost our navy? Yeah, we built a navy shortly after. We didn't have one before that, before the Grendel War began. Yeah. We kind of went, oh no, we're at war with this massive seafaring nation. We need a navy. And so we made a navy called the Freeborn Storm. Funny enough, that was actually named after a player event. Oh, attended. Right, okay. And then it got destroyed because it was outnumbered six to one. Christ. That, so, that sounds like a waste of resources. So it was It was a, again, the Grendel were kind of like not really an enemy, a historical enemy that we then stirred shit with and created a problem for ourselves. Are we the yeah. bad guys? <laughs> um, so what are, they, what are they about? They're not so much a nation, uh, the way all the rest of us are nations. Think of them as a gang of cartels that work together for mutual benefit. Uh, they are not civilized. They're not pirates. They tend to, they prefer to trade and they prefer to conquer. So they don't just raid, they will raid if it gives them benefit, but their big motivation is they're in it for the money. They're in it to, and also they're in it to be audacious and to be cunning. So the, the orc version of the East India Trading Company, essentially? Yeah, very much. That's a very good way to think about it. Yeah, think part Colombian drug cartel, part East India Trading Company, and that's basically the Grendel. So they're smart, they're very well educated, they've got lots of day magic, they've got lots of uh, salt magic, which in your magic episode you uh, is what they call spring. Okay, salt yeah. magic, they're called... Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, salt or sea magic, yeah. Because the... Um... It's all about the water, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the oh. siaka and stuff. Yeah. Now we carry pocket salt. 
<laughs> yeah, so there are, but there were, so when we first bought them, uh, they really do like to be audacious. They, the part of their philosophy is you need to do the big thing to show that you are the be all and end all. You're all it's all about look and being able to carry that look. So they are the iron glove, so the eye, the iron fist in a velvet glove. So we, the Dawlish uh, you know, formed our battle lines, and a single Yofolk managed to negotiate with the Grendel to be led through the Grendel battle line to their leader, who was sat under a tent held up by four slaves, laying on a carpet of leopard skins, being served grapes, and he was on the battlefield doing that. And they negotiated to have any Dawlish uh, captives returned back to Dord. So that's how the Grendel operate. That it is a showmanship. Yeah. is spot on. I really want to see something like that on the battlefield. I love the idea of that kind of... Because, uh, again, that's kind of like an encounter that might just never have happened. And yeah. so for that whole event, there might have just been some guy on a palaquin eating grapes and the battle ends. He's just been there the whole time, just eating grapes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick leaves. of grapes. Can I go home now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, war, they have, uh, yeah. Like the Thor, they can uh, recruit giant war beasts. So these were things like the land shark, which is about 16 foot wide, 15 foot long, part scorpion, part rhino, part tank. All carnage. So yeah. there are two of them. <laughs> So how this is what's confused me as well because we've we've had um, big animal big beasties at Empire that I've seen we had like the spring horror and stuff like this when you're in all this armor and there's war rounds all this armor and there must be guys inside it how do you keep track of like when you're because I struggle to keep track of twelve hits like Ooh, never like Billy Bo- big bollocks yeah, over here with twelve hits never mind like however many bloody hits a well and shark house how do what how does that do you know how that yeah. works yeah so uh so big creatures like that so like we play tested it when we did the war rhino uh which uh, helped build that was the you the, the big thing which was uh, one of the uh, on one of the thor battles battle of Icarus tears and it's a team of people inside and they have a ref with them at all times and the ref will basically do the calls on behalf of the monsters so they'll just point at people and go you know, repel, impale, and because if you live, you, you know, this thing swings its head at you and you get hit with a rhino horn or a giant claw that's as big as you are, you're taking multiple calls. Yeah. And eventually, if you manage to kill the handlers, which are all the orcs surrounding it, uh, then you can try go for the rider who up top. And once you kill the rider, the creature kind of is briefed to then stop because your weapons are not going to affect it. You could hit it a hundred times. It's about sort of enveloping it, kill all of its handlers, and then the creature is briefed to drop. That's cool. Right. Like, yeah, okay. it's immune to all calls. I really, this is the thing I really want to fight, because you fought alongside giants, didn't you? Well, I yes, I've seen giants fight. I haven't been near them during the fights because we were a skirmish force, but just seeing them from the other side of the fortress swinging around, oh, it was awesome. I saw one of those go into the Tony of Worlds. Uh, thing where they, they actually had a proper like ring-fenced arena, which was for the Tony of uh, of the realms plus the different nations. When was this? Uh, this was before Elizabeth was thrown. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big Tony of the Woods. And, uh, it was a Dornishman who actually won that one. Yeah. Because uh, the Ice Giant went in, and so you have a creature that's mostly immune to weapons. Its arms are, are weapons, and it can do limitless strike down. So one orc went in carrying, like, every weapon known to man, and just, it just hit him once. It just started just, just panel beat him into the ground. <laughs> oh, my- God. Leaving this orc-shaped hole in the floor. Oh no! Jesus. So someone went in and cleverly used a pike, which was way longer than the creature's arms, to hit it square in the chest. Its chest was the only place it could be hit, so it was able to just dodge back and just out of reach of its arms and hit it repeatedly with that pike. Jesus. So yeah, that was back when we had an arena. It sounds like we've missed some big things in Empire. Yeah, I was say when. Where was the arena? Uh, the arena. What this was when there was an arena. That's crazy. Uh, 
So I think that was when we still had Tournament Stud, the first site for Empire, because Empire was at oh, Tournament okay. Stud, then Honeymead. Uh, Honeymead was a fun site because it was on the same site as a brewery. Ooh, <laughs> sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, didn't smell great. But yeah, and then we went over to our current site, Dadford Road. Yeah. So uh, I think it was then. Uh, might have been in the early days of Dadford Road, back when the tavern still had a second floor. I'm so sad the tavern doesn't have a second floor anymore. Like, My I fault. pictures of it. It's your fault? Yeah. Why? I was Red Hat at the time, and I was, uh, before, as we were preparing to move this from one site to another, we couldn't transport the tavern in its two-floor state. It wouldn't have survived. Yeah. So I was given the order by Matt P to cut the top off, and so I did. You could have kept that as a souvenir. So it can't be put back on again? Uh, it would be, re- if they wanted to do it, they could rebuild it. They've got people yeah. who are joiners. They know there's a lot of expertise on that team. They, if they wanted yeah. to rebuild the second floor, they could. But odds are they're going to put more into the logistics, say like the road structure, etc. I can't speak for PD because I've not been a Red yeah. Hat for a while, but that's kind of what I want. Let's start a petition to get a second floor in the tavern as well. I want. Yeah, a lot of people would like it. I Everyone's got their own idea of what their priorities are for the field. Yeah, I think their priorities probably go more towards making life easier for people. Probably with accessibility buying, their own, yeah. buying their own field is probably the big thing at the moment. Then they can start building bigger structures. Well, they have that project. I've, I've, got, I've bought my share. Ooh. Oh, have you bought a share? Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I bought a share in the project. I, lo- I was looking into it, but maybe we should do a laps and tarp share. I'm willing to buy you, Well, We'll have to have a look. How much have we got in the pot? £50? <laughs> we've, got, we've got 50p. <laughs> Um, anyway, back so, to Grant. So yeah, go back to Grant. Yeah, so they so when that's what it was like to feel. So if you went on a skirmish with them and they kind of caught you, if the Druid caught you, we used to be briefed like, okay, drag uh, downed Imperials back to the gate, but about thirty feet away from it, and torture them in front of the Allies so they get to role play back and forth. The Grendel would just capture Imperials, bring them back to the gate, and then ransom them back, saying, "Okay, what you got? Um, who, this guy looks important. Give us ten or a Calcum, and we'll give him back and stuff like that." Yeah. Uh, Jotun very briefly were told. Honor jewels could be a thing, one-on-one fights, but then that quickly came and went, no, don't do that. Why is that? I uh, uh, It kind of slows down the the progress of the fight. Uh, there were reasons mm. behind it. I think kind of the point is that you're you're here to have a battle. Not You're not here to... Because people were using it to kind of slow down and distract the enemy, and the enemy are professional soldiers. They really shouldn't be falling for yeah. this. And like they... Uh, the Jotun path to honor is to die gloriously in battle, to die heroically. So why would they... Not yeah, fight you at their best. So the Grendel, I guess, again, I guess that kind of leans into their brief. They would come forward and you would, would, yeah, that feels re- so. I they're, guess- they're there to conquer. They're like, they're not, like, they could make a bit of extra money, but the, the, since they're here to win the fight, yeah. They're not here to enrich themselves personally. Like, winning the battle is going to make you far more money because that leads you to taking a whole territory. Why would I go waste time with this one or two people when I could take an entire territory with tens of thousands of people yeah. in it? So I guess the kind of the battering back and forth was more of, again, that audacity thing. It was kind of like, we want to prove, we, we're like, this is fun for us. Kind yeah, of so like, yeah, audacity is all about, do we, it's, the Dornish kind of uh, view is kind of similar in that it's, yeah, you, have, you, have, that. you have the guts to do something no one else would dare to yeah. do. So uh, people talk, talk about this raid on Dubtrake. Dubtrake is the Grendel capital on the place called the Broken Shore, which is like an archipelago of the south of the map. And the Empire, because we didn't have a navy anymore, we couldn't lash out with the navy, but we did have a lot of fleets, and so we managed to organize enough fleets to go raid their capital. And we hit, it was the first time we did this one of, one of these massive downtime raids. And the Grendel turned around, and rather than being angry that we just turned up with several hundred fleets and punched them in the nose, they were like, you know what? Fair dues. You do it again, and we're coming at you with navies. 
but we actually respect your moxie. You actually really did something I that like we can the understand. Cut of your jib. Yeah, for now. Basically that. Yeah. It was very much like you're my kind of bastard. Was yeah, basically yeah, yeah, the reply yeah, yeah. we got in the diplomatic call. I think you were telling about some of their audacity. For one thing, they did. They built a wanted to build the biggest public service building yeah. in an area to shop all the empires. Once. Yeah. So uh, as a member of the diplomatic corps, I'm currently ambassador to the Iron Confederacy. Ooh, uh, also, us another ambassador. We <laughs> had Yarm, and now the Iron Confederacy. We're going up in the world, Morgan. Oh no, the Iron Confederacy is not up in the world. <laughs> but yeah, so they basically turned to the diplomatic corps and went, "Okay, our uh, ambassador is the Imperial Fleet Master, uh, and we'd like to have an embassy." And we want our embassy to be bigger and shinier than everybody else's. And it said in the Wind of Fortune, if you build it to their specifications, i.e. bigger, the other nations will feel slighted. It will be an insult yeah. to the other nations, but that's how the Grendel are. They'll push to see how far you will let them go. I want to see a Grendel cod piece just for the pure audacity of it. <laughs> but, but, it but, takes two slaves to carry big it. Big enough to hide a staff in. <laughs> yeah. The other part of their brief, which is really important to remember, is that they have, uh, I want to say temerity, but it's not the word they use. Basically, you are as good as your word. When they strike a contract, they will stick to it, absolutely. If a Grendel That's doesn't stick to his contract, he doesn't stick to his word, he's lost face, and it possibly endangers his soul, but also endangers his place in society, and Grendel salt lords who fail end up in the salt mine. So tell us about the salt lords then. They sound like a cool concept. Yeah, yeah so they're basically the leaders of the Grendel. So much like I liken them to cartels, they're the cartel bosses. So each of them runs, they've got like a castle, a keep, they have a salt mine, which is why they're called the salt lords. So for them, a person falling into slavery and being thrown into the salt mine, which is a short, brutal, painful life, that's just a, it's just a natural end to those who aren't audacious and aren't prosperous enough and aren't, you know... Uh, honest enough or more uh, have enough temerity to actually win it the game that is life so they just see slavery as a natural ends to those who just can't compete and that, that so the salt lords they're the ones who uh rule all the all, all the other lesser grendel uh they've managed to climb their way up to the top through being audacious through being cunning by being ruthless and making the most money so for them it's all about how much they can squeeze out of a territory. They will take all the resources they can. So like we've seen in Pharaohs and Spiral, uh, the Empire has taken all the citizens out of Pharaohs, meaning it has no tax revenue. And that Salt Lord is getting very, very upset because he can't make any money. Yeah. Uh, well, Christian, he's not a Salt Lord, he's a governor. and But the Salt Lord he serves is going to be upset because his lieutenant is now losing face and losing money. Yeah. Whereas the one in Spiral has managed to successfully trade with the Empire and they'd rather trade with you then fight you because trade is always more profitable than war. They their pre-war negotiation tactics before the treaty didn't they used to just be shut up and ask for money basically. Pretty much. Uh, once the peace treaty was signed, uh, one thing they did was they just turned up to the, the threat empire and went, "Hey, we're going to go back to war with you if you don't give us five hundred thrones." And Lizabetta used her power of hand of the chancellor to take the money out and then pay them off. And it is cheaper to pay a bribe than it is to actually go to war. Armies cost a lot of money. Yeah. And losing territories costs even more. So, it, though, yeah. Uh, people so had unless to, you could fix the problem permanently, yeah. you might as well pass and the only And you can't really fix the problem permanently right now because we don't have a land bridge with the Grendel. They are the only nation that we deal with that has as many navies as they do. And they've got a lot of magic, which is specifically built to aid navies. Mm. And their navies allow them to raid and take 
various bits of uh, land on our border. I mentioned earlier, they, the first thing they hit was Savos. So they were turning up to the City of Mirrors and breaking all the mirrors before it was cool and the highborn stole the idea. <laughs> You've, we've talked about how they're just kind of drug cartels. What does their power structure look like? I guess we've kind of covered it. But yeah, so it's kind of like Salt Lord, then what either they, what, if they're in charge of territory, it would be like a governor, but then you'd have like the captains who are in charge of the vessels. So yeah, okay. uh, we, I haven't seen the exact full breakdown of their society, but you kind of, it's a kind of trickle down. So there's not like structure. an uber Salt Lord? No, there is not one great Salt Lord. There are various ones that are all competing against each other. There's no one true high cartel leader. I think I heard under the Salt Lords, there is the Sea Lords who take charge of the uh, ships like uh, captains. Yeah. They have quite a bit of power. Yeah, okay. That probably their version of a general. Yeah. Because they do have some armies. Uh, when we fought them in the Sparrow campaign, I think we destroyed at least one of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which has cost them a lot. So that's one reason why they kind of want to continue on the protection racket because we destroyed at least one entire army. That's mm. several hundred thrones worth of material that they lost. I think one thing I adore about the Grendel Brief is that they'll only do things if it has economic value to them. Yeah. If it's just war for the sake of war or no. honor, glory, no, don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They're not the Jotun. The, the Druze do it too because they want to subject people to their rule and they do it through fear. The Jotun want to do it because by dying heroically and honorably, they get across the howling of best. The Grendel, they're not in it for that. They're in it to make as much money as possible and to be as cunning as possible. So that's how they get across the great abyss. See, yeah, so that's, I think one thing that's really interesting whenever you're looking at any of the barbarians is looking at who they're intended to reflect. And I think it's really funny listening to the ground. I wouldn't have expected this, but you can see elements of all the different nations in. I feel like Freeborn, quite obviously, they reflect. There's a bit of Dawn in there, which surprised me. That kind of audacity, a kind of like doing a great big, a great deed, almost seems kind of like part of their shtick as well. Yeah, there's, uh, you're very right that they do reflect various bits of the Empire, could, uh, which does, does make sense because though we have been, you know, sometimes enemies, sometimes. Uh, yeah, uh, not allies but neutral to each other cultural influence will happen mm. you live next to someone for long enough and you will start to share ideas yeah unless you're part of the empire which one's allowed to do that <laughs> no sharing of ideas we must stay within our egregore's defined line we must stay pure <laughs> yeah but then the, how they manifest on battle was uh much different to how a lot of the other units did. what are the um what defines the grendel i guess from a combat perspective so the grendel they kind of have a very modern style of warfare so think since they're a primarily uh naval inspired culture they kind of fight like marines so they have their hard elite core which are the stoneborn they wear the heavy and they are the anvil that the uh enemy is to be broken upon then they've got like the wave riders who are designed to be a very fluid force that will move from point to point and they are commanded by the sky mages who were there uh, they're better. They're like, they're like intelligence slash officer corps because they're they're day ritualists. They have a lot of day ritualists on their side, so they will be doing lots of rituals to uh, inspire their commanders, give them knowledge, uh, give them clarity of mind. And then you've got, uh, I believe, the Kraken's jaws. That's their like elites, uh, hard hitting flankers. Uh, that's where you get a lot of specialist characters. So uh, about the same time we started the Grendel War, EMUs became a thing. Mm. Originally, you just went to monster elite military units for each nation, didn't exist. When did they come about? Uh, about the same time the Grendel Wars did. Which was? Uh, I want to say around about E6. No, it must have been more closer to E. Uh, year Y6, Year 6. Y, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Year 6. But I think it might be wrong and more towards Year 4 or 5. Yeah. Okay. So it's been around a while. We're on Year 10 this year, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Back so, in your day, when the Grendel were a thing. <laughs> uh, 
I, I <laughs> resemble that. Didn't before. have emus, which was the fashion <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I went to battle with a druge head on my head. <laughs> um, so again, so you got all, what was it? What was the actual visceral? Have you fought as the Grendel? I have fought against, and I have fought uh, as Grendel. So, what's the actual visceral experience of fighting against the Grendel? Uh, well, that gave us one. Uh, it was against the Grendel. We had one of our worst defeats that we ever had. Really, it was absolutely atrocious. Uh, not in terms of overall fatalities, but just. So, what happened was. The uh, the objective was they the Grendel had a Drake in a uh, a Drake baby or as a small Drake in a uh, in, in their compound and we needed to go in and kill the Drake and we get in they've got this uh, open fortress a massive garage tent and from it came this gigantic eight foot long head of a dragon that loomed over the battle wall and could just reach over the orcs and bite it, it during the fight it leaned <laughs> over the battle line grabbed the marcher Egregor and ate him feet first. Oh my God. <laughs> The, the, oh my the, god, yeah, what? The, the Grendel were just chanting, feet first, feet first, and oh. he just ate the Egregor. And what? And Dawn, uh, I think the Imperial Orcs, the High Guard, we went up against that line and we bounced. We bounced multiple times. We could not get I them to I think I'd move just go inch. home. I think I'd just go, no, not today, lads. Yeah. <laughs> lads I'm done. Yeah. There were reasons for that, because back then, uh, force weightings were a bit more flexible. So basically, the generals wanted one battle to win, so they intentionally put the small, uh, the larger nations in that battle. And so our battle was undermanned by a significant number. Oh. So we went through already outnumbered, and we just bounced. Oh, so it was God. shortly after that they changed how the force weightings work and so that way the battles are a bit more Jeez. even. The, the generals can no longer just go, we want this one to win so we're just going to cripple the other one. I'm just thinking of all the poor smaller nations like looks like we're being the sacrificial lambs again. When you say bounced as in you didn't go to battle? Or as, as in we went to the battlefield, we just hit their line and nothing happened. They, we, I, I, I want I, to see this Drake puppet. Uh, that sounds fucking amazing. There's photos of it on the... Uh, not on the wiki, Morgan, it's real. Oh, sorry, sorry. I want to see a Drake. It's on the wiki. Yeah, the photo. There's photos of it on the wiki. I'm getting it. Up. It's a, yeah, it's a great big lizardy boy. Google with me, listeners. Right. Uh... The uh, yeah. So that was so. But fighting that was fighting against them was always a big challenge. They're just such a good mix of elite units, and they were, and the whole shtick was they would work together and they would have the, the the anvil here, they'd have the counter maneuvers there. The Jotun fight in a kind of similar way, but the Grendel just had this, they just had this much more elite feel. I would like to go back to fighting the Grendel because a bit more than the Druze, the Druze, they basically like fighting Mordor. Mm. And eventually you've been, I've been doing this since the start and I'd like to, the Grendel were just a bit more fun to fight. You, uh, you see, the Druze still hold horror for me. I don't know about you, Morgan, but I'm like, oh, I'd rather fight the Jotun than the Druze, just because this is year one kind of Some fight. of the most kind of iconic moments I've had in the fight been against the Druze. I would rather fight, continue to fight the Druze and then not the Jotun, if I'm honest. The Jotun would bore me a little bit. Sorry to mm, interrupt. Yeah, this. no, you're of all the ones that, in character agenda-wise, I'd want to fight the Druze until there's not a single one of them left and the land yeah. has been raised and set fire. Yes. The Jotun, I'm more than happy to strike an agreement with because at least you know they'll stick to it. Yeah. Um, right, what do I Google? I want to see a picture of this thing. And I'll uh, tell them sorry, viewers. No, they, they, they can... I'm good. Are they Googling we're, as well? We're Googling along with us. We're on the Profound Decisions wiki. It's this quality that I have to thank you for bearing with us and nominating for us a LARP awards. Morgan's unprofessionalism is an excuse. This is fine. Shush, everyone's enjoying this. <laughs> Are we going to put fan art of you just Googling? Oh, that's so cool. Uh, I ma- love it. Made by a couple by called Bill and Ky- uh, Kyra. They designed the bar and How the war rhino. How does that eat you? 
Uh, jaw opens. Can you pull? Do they pull you into the puppet? Yeah. What? <laughs> it kind of it, you kind of get dragged along the ground because it doesn't it can't lift up a person, but it is on rails. It moves, slides in, slides forward. Le- its head can tilt down and up. The jaw oh, can open and so close. Cool. They had smoke projectors in it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So, Fuck me, that's so cool. I'm yeah. super jealous of you fighting oh, all these the, big beasties. Oh, those those guys are insane. Like Bill and Kyra, like I said, they yeah. they built the War Rhino out of a couch. They yeah. uh, they helped. They designed lots of the uh, t- uh, bits of the tavern, uh, like the secret tunnel that secret only a sort of us know that there is the secret tunnel. Yeah, there's Who's a secret tunnel in the tavern. Can this be in the podcast? Do we want people to know about the secret tunnel? Oh, dude, it probably doesn't work anymore. Uh, it's probably since been sealed up. But when it was first built, there was a little uh, on the outside of the tavern. There's a little door, and, and you can crawl under it, and it will take you underneath one of the benches. You can pop up. I and, thought we were getting our money's worth from Empire, but I'm clearly being screwed out. Secret is, tunnels and Drakes. Secret tunnels and dragons. Yeah. I am now. Oh my! Right, Christ! I, I that sounds awesome. Yeah. To see God to see the macho Egregor get eaten alive. Oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> Morgan, yeah. control yourself. Sorry. Yeah, so uh, color-wise, uh, they wear lots of purple. Oh, sorry, yes, the Grendel, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, oh. the, Grendel, the, Grendel, the Grendel wear purple. Their distinctive uh, symbology is uh, ocean theme. So the Ironborn have a symbol of the crab. Kraken's jaw is the squid. Uh, the Wave Riders is, I believe, a dolphin. Uh, then you've got... No, so it's a shark, sorry, for okay. the Wave Riders. Dolphin and, would be more accurate because dolphins are scarier than sharks. Totally <laughs> was much. purple. And also, uh, kit-wise, the Phrygian cap. So the kind of what the Smurfs wear, that kind of hooked cap, yes. the uh, Fringian cap, that's what they would wear. We all sewed those up for hours. And then they've, uh, they will wear skirts, uh, the war skirt like the orcs do, but unlike the most orcs, which is made of like scraps of leather and looks very barbarian-y. It's very fancy. But, uh, theirs is like a Roman. So if you say the Roman uh, straight yeah. uh, skirt, that's what they tend to wear. So they're to show that they are... In there, not more civilized, but they're a lot. But there's a lot blingier. It's not just scrapping things here. This has been made, tailored to look good. They like yeah. bling. They like showing off that they're wealthy, because uh, one of their core tenets is "I'm smarter than you. I'm better than you." Is yeah. a big thing in the Grandor mindset. Um, not gonna lie. This may, it's actually tempting me to craft the idea of making a Grendel yeah. outfit. No, I want to well, make some monstering kit. I was talk, we were talking to someone uh, after. Little Mother's Ball last week, who was talking about all the, they wear they load a bunch of war skirts. And I'm like, when you're making monstering kit, you're deep in the hobby. I'm like, I want to make some monstering well, kit. Well, uh, my big tip is uh, what I did with mine was mine's reversible. Mm-hmm. I, I my one side is red, one side is purple, so I can so with the same amount of kit, I'm able to play a Jotun or a Grendel whenever I want. Yeah, not gonna lie, I want to do that with the Jack Doors. Oh, we're losing! Quick, everyone, swap Li- armor. <laughs> Literal. Well, that's where the that's where turncoat comes from. You turn your coat inside out, so then you look like someone else. See, we're not just for entertainment. We're also educational. Yeah, education. Edutainment. Educate. I've already said that. We could be on the BBC because we're edutainment. I wouldn't put me on the BBC. No, I would put you on the BBC. Maybe Channel 4. (laughs) So they wear purple, they look fancy, and they fight. Um, like an elite military organization, and they have big beasts often. Some, uh, not often. It would be they haven't had them for a few years now. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure where the big beasties have gone. They probably have them around somewhere. Yeah, uh, might be weather conditions. Might just be they need to repair because the big things like that. Yeah, the storing big old costumes like it's got to be a problem. I think a lot. A lot of people think that the Trigoni all the outfits all died a death over the longest arc because they've yeah. been kind of been told when they're not a problem anymore. Yeah. The uh, they also had uh, heralds. They would have shark heralds, which would these uh, latex orc mask style affairs. But they had these big 
multi-fanged faces and they were they they had like a bag on them to have and they'd carry like prosthetic intestines in so they were briefed that if you hit the ground they'd immediately call execute oh. so they would ju- obviously there were photos of them jumping on freeborn characters devouring them with fistfuls of guts oh. pulling them into their mouth and just eating this poor character alive and executing them and that's there was only like six of them at a time but you saw one and it brought the fear in you because you knew that thing here is not there to fight you it's there to kill you yeah was it the archmage of spring who were just saying as a mage they were our nightmare yeah, yeah. That, that, that one call cleave you're down and then you have five seconds to live because that's how long it takes to execute you. Oh, no, 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 no. and then also like i gather that heralds are quite hard to kill their heralds yeah, most uh, most heralds will have a thing uh, like some of the a lot of the summer ones tend to have like some mage abilities like uh, entangle or paralyze or they'll hit you with repel there what uh, the spring ones tend to be much more fighty so they'll be doing lots of venoms and impales and mm. uh not much in the way of defense but they will hit like an absolute truck yeah i heard that the because we fought alongside high arc heralds and I heard that they could do impale with every strike, for example. Uh, like, yeah. heralds are brutal. Uh, well, the, uh, the heralds of Irahara, the, uh, the the jackrabbit of freedom, uh, he uh, their heralds can do limitless shatters with daggers. Ooh. With daggers? Yes. Jesus Christ. One of them came into a uh, to the glory square and went, I want to kill Zadkiel. I want to kill this, uh, yeah, uh, this particular Dornish noble. Why? Because of things he'd done in uh, in his previous career in the ambassador, as an ambassador, and then just called Shatter like six times. I don't think we're prepared for these calls, Morgan. Yeah, no. The day I meet a herald is the day I uh, die, I imagine. Yeah. Some, plenty of heralds are fun. Uh, you escort heralds. I have escorted it. Actually, yeah, sorry. The day I engage in a fight with a herald. No, I escorted a bunch of day heralds um, to do a ritual. You know, back at E3? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was E3. Was E3 It was E3 we when I met you. We escorted a bunch of day heralds to do like a ritual so we could find yeah. someone, I think. Yeah, trying to think of the most fun. Uh, the most fun herald I saw was uh, one of Rianos. It's a giant lobster person. The summer, and he was he was holding a tea party. And so this guy in a giant lobster suit, human head but giant lobster body, was sat at a table of cakes and tea. But he couldn't eat any because he had giant lobster oh, hands. <laughs> and so all these mages are sat there having a tea party. He's like, I want some tea. Oh, he was, you can't see my face, but I am overcome with joy. This is the happiest I've ever been hearing about this scenario. Yeah. Rhiannos is great. Uh, another one of his heralds, uh, Trident, he basically talked like Lord Flashheart. He's like, you were there. You're a Dornish noble. Do you like adventure? <laughs> Why, yes, I do like adventure. <laughs> well, Rhiannos is the one that's given us the golden cauldron to go into Brickellian, isn't it? Yeah. So we've, um, he's all about adventure and doing stuff. Okay, this, is an unve- this, is, this is an adventure that hasn't been done in over three centuries. Rhiannos is all over it. Yeah, 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 100%. Oh. So getting back onto the yeah. Grendel, do they favor any type of weapons or are they like the Empire players and just go for every anything they have to hand? No, they'll bring what they can. Certain uh, builds, like the Stoneborn is one-hand weapon and shield, usually with heavy armor. They've got lots of uh, unstoppables and... Uh, then you've got the Kraken's Jaws. They tend to be pole arm and strike down. Uh, they've got an, a special elite choice. Uh, each So every so many members of EMU would allow you to take one mage and one special character called a Laoc. Uh, I'd usually play the Laoc, who is essentially trained to hunt down special uh, characters of interest. So like generals or particularly good physics. Anyone who just stands out as a high value target and hunt them. Uh, Laox are the hunters uh, hidden within the battle line. So I would 
basically follow the spear unit, pretend to be a regular troop, and as soon as someone stood out and started giving orders, I'd break off, go around, strike down, and then cleave both his legs out, and then just wait for him to die. That sounds like a high-risk, high-reward, monstering part. It is all cardio is playing a layout, because you have got to be... And also, it's very... It's very uh, tactical. And... Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> yeah, it's all... A, but it would be lots of fun, like, role-playing in the mindset of this hunter. You're crouching, you're walking through, you're, you're stalking your way through the woods as the battle's going on. You're just saying, like, okay, then, I'm, I'm here to hunt. Who is here? Who is my target? Where is my prey? As some winter marker walks past, like, no, not that one. And then you see, like, a person welding a banner. Yes, that is my okay, prey. Okay, Morgan, I have found the role for Chloe at Empire. She's <laughs> going to play a Leoc. <laughs> Beware, players of Empire, when Chloe gets to do that, you're all going down. Oh, Christ. And that was, and we eventually got that peace treaty with them, and that was all yeah. through the works of the uh, Diplomacy Corps. Which I believe they've put a countdown on every single letter they've sent in. Yeah. That it's like, remember, the treaty ends in, is yeah. it how long is left on the treaty? Uh, I'd say one season tops. Maybe it's this year. It's going to, it's going to need to be renegotiating this year. And that is very much their way of going like, yeah, you have 18 months. You now have 16 months. You now have, and it just keeps going out. Much like a landlord who's... T- <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Remember, I can put the rent up in this amount of time. Your ass is grass, boy. <laughs> no, I'm looking for... I do hope that we go to war with them because I would love to fight them. I don't want to go to war with them because I, I, I want to just actually win as the Empire and like be happy. But I also really oh, want to play a Grendel. I see. What? Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. see. I want to kick the shit out of a Grendel, please. I yeah. want to play a Grendel. Yeah, this Screw time. playing a Jotun or a uh, Druge. I want to be Orc Pirate Drug Dealer. <laughs> I want to make a Salt Lord costume the size of Jabba the Hutt and just throw <laughs> coins everywhere. Yeah. So that's the, because they are one of the few for barbarian nations we can actually have at least some religious talk with because they do... Uh, follow prosperity. Okay. So that is at least one bit of common ground we do have. Be twisted it a bit, or is it just no, spend and uh, it is, spend and make? You spend and make. It is. They are, they tend to be a bit more cutthroat about it, but it's still prosperity. I don't know. Have you seen kids at Empire? They probably couldn't outdo them. Yeah, obviously uh, the the literal protection rackets that the academy has known to inflict on its neighbors. Oh, deadly! I'm actually find myself quite resilient to the child sellers of empire. Yeah, you're just an I idiot don't... and lose all your money to gambling, oh, Mister Ten Thrones in debt. Shh, don't worry. But if anyone wants to donate Ten Thrones to me, that would be great. Um, you've got a bounty on your head, haven't you? Uh, well, I used to. I used oh, to be fuck. the yeah. I used to have <laughs> yeah the highest bounty on a player character in Empire. Uh, Who was it that had it on you? Uh, it was my family uh, back in uh, Faradun, the House Modnos from my past life. Uh, they basically oh, didn't okay. like what I had to say about their granddad, and to which I responded, well, I was there. Yeah. And, uh, your granddad tried uh, sold his children to the Whisper Gallery, so he was a bit of a dick. And they went, well, we're going to put a bounty on you. And I'm like, cool, that's only 10 thrones, not worth it. And then they upped the stakes and put it to 30 after burning down a museum in uh, the League and a print works in Urizen. Oh, Jesus. And they then upped my bounty to 30. So it was quite funny, like, okay, then we're going to strike out at these people. We're going to burn down your museum, burn down your print works, and we're going to up your bounty. And I'm like, yay, thank you, brilliant, that's amazing. <laughs> Keep going. Keep, Keep doing. Gonna... So you say you no longer had the bounty on your head. No, yeah, someone pulled an, an absolutely blinding piece of uh, diplomatic uh, and financial just miracle working and paid off a 250 throne fine 
in the space of an afternoon. That's a shame. I wanted to. I, w- I wouldn't be able I to sh- ever claim the bounty on you being such an experienced player. I just wanted to follow you around the battlefield and hope for the best. And then he's down. Grab his heart and run, lads. <laughs> it was it was good game. I had so many people come and say, "Hey, I run a little mostly company, and we've heard about your big bounty. So we'd like to offer our protective services." And I would say, "Well, you're more than happy to." follow me around and use it as practice. I'm not paying you because I don't need protecting, but I'm more than happy to, <laughs> use, to, use, to use myself as bait for you to then train and practice by all means. Oh, uh, I mean, we, we, in-house, we have a literal guide on how to and how uh, to assassinate and how to avoid assassination. Incredible. Ooh, sounds handy. Have you published it? Uh, no. Because <laughs> why, would, why would you give away your secrets of how to avoid getting shanked? Yeah, don't advertise. This. These are things we learned from back in the days of Maelstrom, which was just rusty knife shank town where you could be murdered at any given time just by going to the bathroom. Well, Christ, yeah, no. I, people, there's rumors about toilet shanking's empire, but yeah. I think they're uncommon. Uh, don't I've, be that guy. Toilet shank, I, I've never really heard of any really solid case. There was the murder of Bessie the Bard, but that wasn't a toilet shanking. That was a targeted attack. That was targeted assassination. The only time I'd be tempted to do a toilet shanking is uh, Tyrion Lannister style. Just wait a reasonable <laughs> distance away. Shoot. Fire a crossbow bolt into the toilet. Oh, missed. Aiming for the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Anvil is way, way safer now than it used to be. And yeah. it's... Uh, Stupid it, gentrification it, of murder alley. Well, it shows that PD have learned, because back in Maelstrom days, uh, since PvP could happen at a drop of a hat and literally one camp, imagine if Dawn got up and went, you know what, Orison's annoyed us, let's go kill them all. That would happen on the regular basis, Jeez. which meant guard duty was basically mandatory. And I'd follow my friend around who would have meeting after meeting and we'd all be rocked up in full armor all damn day. And it got so tiring and it was so dull. And so PD learned from this and went, let's make Anvil a safe place and let's heavily brief people that just murdering people is not really it's not the, the done thing. It's not in the spirit of the game. It's not in the spirit of your characters or your nations. Like in the League, it's considered cheating. Yeah, that's one of my favorite part of the League's brief. It's so clever. Because it's like, otherwise you'd all been going around stabbing each other. Yeah. Oh, uh, cousin stab. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just so much more fun and it feels more like... a. Empire feels more like a civilization. It feels more like a people than Maelstrom used to. Yeah, like you are people. You are. You really do feel like this is a working, mostly uh, society. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yes. I also think by having it safer, it makes when a murder does happen a lot more special, and it has a wham. Yeah, it makes. Yeah, if you are if you are going to get shanked, then at least it's going to be noticeable. Yeah, and you've got give the militia some game they can actually solve yeah. rather than everyone's dead. Let's just give up now. Bury the bodies and go home. Although, pro tip, please don't go murdering people thinking you're giving game to the militia because that's you're not doing that. Yeah, God, no. Yeah. Please don't go off willingly committing horrible crimes against player brief just to create create <laughs> game in air quotes. I think, it's, to be fair, this has been really useful because I think we've got a good coverage of the Grendel. It's made yeah. me really want to take part as the Grendel and to kill the Grendel. You just want to see the big dragon, don't you? I just want to see the dragon. I just, yeah. it's all I want to do. I want to make the most awful Grendel costume. It, won't, it will look so garish and I'll love it. <laughs> and yeah. then also, it's just good to have someone that's been on since the start of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and to really, like, get some insights. Yeah. And talk yeah, to uh, yeah, well, yeah. It's always good to talk about yeah what E1, Y1 was like. Yeah. The year of... Uh, well, it wasn't just the system that was new, but we had it, uh, the game was cursed off the get-go. Uh, we had the worst weather on four separate events. E1, Y1 was minus 10 degrees Celsius. Uh, we had snowdrifts on the way into camp. And then e, uh, E2 had some of the highest winds on record. E3 was an absolute uh, heat wave. And E4 had some of the highest rainfalls we've ever had on field. 
So someone actually went and minted a bunch of medals to commemorate the four extreme weathers of the first year of Empire. Not going to lie, right now you sound like a grandparent talking about the... Uh, you don't know how good it you have. <laughs> I used to go 72 miles through Siberian cold to get to school. <laughs> well, back in my day, OOC camping was at the top end of Dadford Road. So it was a 1.5 kilometer walk back to, <laughs> M- back to Anvil. And I'm not even lying, it was. I oh, was there when gosh. the Imperial Orcs didn't have a territory. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which, um, uh, as, a, as an experienced player, have you got any advice for any new players that might be listening? Yeah, so uh, always and all, uh, make sure you attend the new player briefing. PD hold a new player briefing. Uh, there's various resources online, which uh, I believe they do link on the uh, wiki, such as there's a brilliant animation. Called, if you just uh, Empire LARP animation, a person for their animation uh, degree went and made a great guide on how to get into Empire, how to get into LARPing, and it's in a nice, easy, five-minute long uh, format. Uh, I always recommend that particular video. And, uh, well, one would be potentially find myself. Um, for the next year, at least, I'm looking to help ed- the new people in the game find uh, their game because I know a lot of people. I know Anvil, and I'm quite happy to have done my game. I want to help other people find theirs. Yeah, that's really good of you. Yeah, that's really good. And you also, your character is... Colin Durandal, and you can be found, I guess, at the Durandal camp. Are you happy for people yeah. to approach you in character? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, with questions or, like, if people just want to fight me. It's, you know, I'll go in the glory square and you square off and someone goes, oh, you're the Lord, you were the champion of glory. I've been waiting to fight you for ages. And I'm like, cool, I'm more than happy to... Kick the shit out of you. Let's oh, go. <laughs> yeah, I went. Well, I went. I went into that fight on no on one hit point, no hero points, and an, and a pre-existing traumatic wound. So, oh Jesus, did you win? No, of course not. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, it's all about helping other people get their game. So yeah, there's every every nation has that, and don't be afraid to talk to your Ogres. They literally exist to help you find your game. The yeah, Ogres are the nicest. A little bit more of my first kind of event. Yeah. I didn't. Actually. They bankrupt me. You're still not bankrupt. Well, that's because you've got Harlequin and he's a reprobate. <laughs> I love the Harlequin. A, a delightful reprobate, but still. A but re- a reprobate nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, so when we went on the, ra- the raid of Dubtrake, he said, oh yes, I'm going to take my fleet and it's a League pleasure barge. So everyone turns up with soldiers and magma lions and there's the League Egregore turning up on a literal, like, like a pimp boat. Oh I God. love it. This is why League is best nation, in my opinion. The drip. <laughs> Um, and also people might not know, uh, probably a good time to shout this out, is that you can actually get, if you know anyone that's been to Empire before, you can use their reference code to get yeah. a discount. So is it £15 off? You, each, each of, uh, so if you find someone with a discount code that has gone before and they will, they get £15 and you get £15 each deposited in your account. and It's prosperous. Yeah, it helps yeah. people. And if you are a student uh, uh, or you are on uh, various forms of uh, universal... Uh, credit, the universal income. Uh, they uh, you can ask for the concession price. Yeah. So uh, they are, PD will do what they have done a lot of what they can to help people get into the game as cheaply as they can. Yeah. No, it's really helpful. It's quite good for that. Um, I mean, we've both. Well, I have my. This is completely, completely. You know, selfless for me to do this, but I have my discount code in my Instagram, uh, Glory Slapper. If anyone needs that discount, please, don't, please, don't, don't please. follow Tom's because Tom's already had two because he's a sneaky little shit. That, I'm a poor that, man. That will quickly get into messages from listeners. But I like, give it to me. Give me the discount. Don't tell anyone else. I uh, think my best one is when I enticed 
six of you at the same time to yeah go. we paid for your first trip to empire and then oh. you were the first person to snipe a listener <laughs> like oh yeah use my discount code <laughs> no, 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 he just offered it to me i'm oh, just that yeah, lovable sure. well, well it goes in circles because uh tom got you in to lab and took and i got tom in and i got tom's code yeah, so it this all is goes all in. adam's fault you're in a yeah, huge hobby yeah, yeah no but yeah like we've all got this i've got a discount code my uh, instagram at glorious larper tom's got his do you have yours in your bio no i should probably thing? should we put on the larps and tops as well every one yeah, of ours we'll on the yeah. on the laps as well. Yeah. Don't forget, Kerry. Oh no, we're gonna. We're, I feel like we should put all six. Uh, all five. Six of us. Oh no, it is five. All five. We'll put the all cast in, um, and then you got, and then we could do a vote. Whoever gets the most discounts is the favorite cast member. Unless we just rotate it episode to episode. Now you're just getting Patreon planning content. No, it's a, no, it's a vote. You basically you have to pick your favorite cast member. Morgan's mean, <laughs> ego code. is already big enough. Don't do it. <laughs> it worked out well for you know Tabletop Weekly because yeah, they got hundreds. Place. Literally, like they, they can play Empire for the next decade without paying a single coin. <laughs> Living the dream. And on that note. I think it's time to see yourselves out. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Yeah, no worries. Um, and thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week when we're going to talk about the thought. Pleasure as always. Bye, friends. <laughs>